Hey, Mike, can you hear me? I got you, Gilby. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Glad it worked. Yeah, glad we were able to find some time to chat, and I won't keep you for too long. I want to talk about the album and the tour and look back in the rearview mirror a little bit, but uh, dude, let's talk about the album to start with, The Gospel Truth, <laughs> and I, I've been curious, man. Everyone that's put out an album over the past couple of years with the pandemic and the kind of the world stopping, kind of curious for this one, man. The Gospel Truth, were you working on that before the pandemic, or did the pandemic give you the time to actually record it? You tell me. <laughs> I actually started it way before the pandemic. You know, I had made the deal with the label and I only made the deal because I had the songs ready. So, yeah, we started way before um, most of the songs were recorded, even before it started. And then it hit. And then was that question, <laughs> oh, man, our release date was right in the middle of it. We pushed it back a little. It's like it, it was just such a mess. <laughs> but uh, I'm, no matter what, I'm extremely happy with the record. Yeah. It's been a long time since I made a solo record. I don't know why. <laughs> time just kind of went by, but but I'm very happy with it. I think it came out great. All the contributions from all the other artists were great. Um, like I said, I was happy. Just was the timing wasn't the best, but you know, it's yeah. life. Yeah, and and the other curious thing for me too is like with the extra time, did you did you tinker or did you just kind of like leave it be? <laughs> it's so funny you you say that because you know there's always deadlines, and I and I always find those deadlines you know nutty because. You know, in the end, you know, your release date doesn't come out for so much longer. But, you know, there's mixed deadlines, you know, there's uh, mastering deadlines and all these things. And they really were driving me crazy. I'm not one of those people that nitpicks. I actually when I'm done, I'm done. I'm happy. But there was one mix on one song that like even to this day, it drives me crazy. Like (laughs) we, we accidentally put the vocal low. Ah. <laughs> mix in there and to this day i'm like man i wish we'd just use the vocal up you know but you know i mean you know it is what it is <laughs> well it's a killer album man it's a really fun rock album uh so many cool tracks on there um you know i was digging uh uh tight wad with uh, some guest appearances <laughs> that's the track with the low vocal <laughs> uh, well really cool to see that Nikki six pitched in and even yeah. cooler stephen perkins who man mm-hmm. i love that guy's drumming i saw him uh last year with, with james obviously and that mm-hmm. guy puts every every beat he puts into his body like his whole body plays every hi-hat hit i mean yeah what a legend and imagine an old friend of yours Yes. Yeah. And also Stephen is pure creativity, pure creativity. It's like he he hears things like a certain way that which I always think is great because like I'm the kind of guy that comes in with the songs like here. Here's how it goes in this. But I like when the guys bring something to it that I didn't think of. It's mm. always my favorite part of the record. And and Steven is that guy. Like he kind of goes, yeah, yeah, let me let me just, you know, play. And he starts doing his thing. And then you it's no mistake that it's Steven Perkins. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was such a unique thing to have Nikki Six and yeah. Steven on the same tune. It, it's such a, you know, a dichotomy there. It's like <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that was another point. It's like worlds colliding, different worlds colliding. And I imagine Nikki more for the songwriting than the bass mm-hmm. playing well so what the i think i look nikki's been one of my oldest friends i've known him from before motley group oh, so wow. it, it, yeah it's we go way way back when i was doing my first solo record i wanted to get him to play bass on a track back then they were making the karabi record at the time okay and we were in the same studio and somehow the day that he was supposed to record something went down and he had to leave the studio and i never got him and then the years ah. just go by they go by they go by and it's like finally when this happened 
and we had just gone out to dinner with the wives and everything. I go, you know, I'm in the middle of the record and I got a great track for you. And I honestly think he killed it on that track. It does. You would never think that's Nikki Six playing bass on that. Yeah. Yeah, did did he contribute songwriting as well? Because I know that no songwriting, just playing, just, just playing. playing. Yeah, I'm like I said, I pretty much write everything. It's just the way I do it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And uh, looking forward to the show coming up August 31st. Keith Richards at the Coach House. Tell me how this whole Keith Richards thing got started for you. Well, so the Keith Richards is actually my fun band. You know, I, we get to a point in our lives where. You know, we have our jobs, you know, like, you know, my solo band's my job. Kings of Cast, my job. This is my fun band. I mean, obviously, we still get paid to play, but it's with my pals and we get to do things like as a guitar player. There's certain stuff that we really love and that really inspires us, but we don't really get to play it that much. And that's what the Keith Richards is. We play. It's really a cover band for the most part. I mean, we still play some originals, but for the most part, we're playing. uh, uh, Yeah. Rolling Stones. <laughs> We're playing the Beatles. We're doing Joe Cocker. We do ZZ Top. You know, we really cover it's almost bluesy influence, but you know, we are white boys, so we're playing white boys blues. <laughs> All the stuff that influenced you when you were coming up. Absolutely. And to this day, like when I'm out riding my motorcycle, these are the records that I still listen to. I love it, man. It, it's it's in line with what uh, Joey Belladonna is doing with this Beyond Frontiers, kind of the same thing. And you guys have played some shows together. And he said he actually connected with you, I think, at the Dio uh, yes. birthday thing that you guys did start working together and did a tune together. That was phenomenal because, you know, I, I can't honestly say I know Joey well. You know, we've run into each other over the years, but I didn't know him well. And we got to do that project. What was great about it was we were all in a room together. We played it live. Mm-hmm. And that was so much fun because if I remember correctly, I don't think we rehearsed. I think we just <laughs> did it. And he really brought like I literally was playing and like watching him and listening to him going, wow, man, he's nailing this. Yeah, criminally underrated. I mean, in thrash metal, you don't really get the accolades for for singing, but proving he can really sing with that with that Beyond Frontiers Journey cover band. I mean, that's no joke doing Steve Perry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have not seen it yet, so I'm really excited about this show too. And uh, your your lineup for uh, Keith Richards a little bit rotating, I think. But Sean McNabb always by your side on bass. Yes, yeah. So Sean McNabb is playing bass, and he's been with me since the inception. Uh, Mike Mangan is playing keys right now. Mike plays with the Cult right now, and Teddy Andriatis was the original keyboard player, but Teddy's been out with Walter Trout a lot. And now we have Jason Sutter playing drums because we had Kenny Aronoff who started, <laughs> but Kenny right. plays with. Everybody. So Jason Sutter has been stepping in for probably the last five or six shows. And man, he just like this version really feels like a band. It really does. And a hell of a resume Jason's got, too unbelievable man i mean who these play with like i lose track you know it's like you know when you're announcing them on stage you know you go share chris cornell it's like where, where do you go with that you Marilyn can't, Manson. Can't, yeah. yeah all kinds and then so you sneak some solo songs into the keith richards yeah. performance as well yeah so we do some of the songs that i don't really do in my solo set when we're out there most of the time when i'm doing my solo band we do a lot of more hard rock mm-hmm. kind of shows you know so I don't really get to do the bluesier side. I don't really get to break out the open G guitar and play some slide. <laughs> so we do do that. And we just, just do some songs that I don't get the opportunity to play all the time. You know, so it, it like I said, it really is a creative outlet that that's fun for me. Love it, man. That'll be a fun show down there at the uh, coach house on the August 31st. And just want to hit you with the last couple things. I mean, no way to not talk a little GNR with you. <laughs> and uh, can you take me back to getting that phone call from Slash and, and, <laughs> and recreate that moment for me? Well, 
from what I remember, you know, it's funny because it's been so many years that I, I kind of polish it a little bit <laughs> as to what went down and what I remember because it's hard to remember it all. But what I do remember was uh, I was actually working sound the night that he called. I used to work at the lingerie in, in Hollywood as a sound man. And so I didn't get in until like two, three in the morning. And when I got in, my wife was still up. And, and by the way, we had just gotten married a week before I got the call for GNR. <laughs> oh, God. And she and she and she goes, um, Slash called you. But I don't know if it's one of your friends, you know, playing a joke or whatever, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, the next I didn't get a chance to call him the next morning. And when I called him back the next morning, you know, obviously it was him. And he's like, well, we'd like you to come down today. You know, and, and like I said, by that time, it was rock star hours. I probably didn't call him until like around noonish and coming in in an hour or so. I literally did not have time to learn the three songs. I listened to him in a cassette on my way to <laughs> rehearsal, just going, I hope this is in G. I do remember they're tuned down a half step. <laughs> and I literally played those songs without like learning them. I had to you know play them on the fly. Wow. And was Axel there at that point or not? No, Axel did not. But I didn't play with Axel until literally the first show oh the wow first show yeah and if i remember correctly i don't even think he said he was there but he didn't sing with us until the actual show interesting interesting man well i mean that was a hell of a tour that you guys did the guns and roses metallica tour i was fortunate yeah. enough to get to go to the la show with with motorhead doing a set and then and then andrew dice clay coming out for a few <laughs> that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah that, unexpected too we're waiting waiting for you guys and it's like oh hey there's the dice man coming out and doing like a good 45 minute stand up but uh any memories from that actually the show i wanted to ask you about from that tour was the infamous montreal riot well, the Montreal, well, I mean, first of all, the L.A. shows. So what was really odd odd and awkward about the L.A. shows was that it was during the what right after the riots. Mm -hmm. And we, we did, too, if I remember correctly, we did the Coliseum and then we did the Rose Bowl. And the yeah. Coliseum was kind of downtown, as you, you know, USC. Right. And all the shows were sold out. And usually with GNR back in those days, you know, we get, a, you know, calls from all of our friends and everything. I was like, I can't I can't give tickets. Actually, we didn't give free tickets away. We paid for all of our tickets back then. You get your yeah, bill like once a month. And I remember that for the show at the Coliseum, you know, our, our tour manager is going, hey, you got any friends who want to come along? Even though the show sold out, we got a lot of tickets because <laughs> people were afraid to come yeah. downtown after the riots, Makes you know. Sense. And so they're just that's the one thing that really stood out. And I remember how loose that show was because it just had that kind of atmosphere around it that like the people that were there really didn't get, give a shit. They were the rebels, you know. <laughs> and then what about the uh, the Montreal show? Was, were there sound issues on stage? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, I, you know, I got to tell you, I will defend Axel to the last day about that show because I'll never forget when we went on. There was a lot of problems. And I remember that, you know, he, he was kept coming up to me. Like, if you ever see the footage, he kept walking up to me, goes, how you doing? I go, I cannot hear a thing. I go, I hear my backline amp, but I, I don't hear you. I don't hear Matt. And he goes, I'm having the same troubles. He goes, I can't hear anything. So we kept trying to play a couple songs and it was just getting worse. It wasn't mm. getting better. So like I said, I will back him to the end. It wasn't Axel being Axel. It really was a decision. Oh, man, this this show just sucks. And maybe we should just restart the show. And I, like I said, that one part of the show, I will always remember. Well, talking about probably the worst show, is there is there a favorite GNR show? Is there one that stands in your brain as like the, the, the greatest? I think that for me, the best 
there, there's a lot of best shows, you know, you know, going down to Argentina for the first time was really, really special. I mean, that was, uh, you know, like Beatlemania. It was I've never, ever experienced anything like that. Although I wasn't a band that opened for Rick Springfield in his height of day <laughs> and the screaming girls, I did experience that. But um, yeah, that, that, that Beatlemania thing uh, I never experienced. And also the Rose Bowl show um, when I, you know, there's a part of the show where I get to do like a little solo part and then slash and I start playing wild horses together or whatever we did. I actually sat at the edge of the stage. And like I said, there was almost a hundred thousand people. And I actually like, you know, let a breath down and said, okay, let's, let's remember this, you know? And, and I did say that, you know, I'm luckily I was soberish enough. to remember. <laughs> yeah. So going back to just being married for a week before you get into the band and then to go on the road with guns and roses who were yeah. at the height of their party. And at that point, I mean, I'm sure your, your wife was terrified. That was quite a challenge. <laughs> quite a challenge. The odd thing is we are still married to this day. Hey, it <laughs> worked. Married. It worked. We got a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was a challenge, you know, but my my wife was, you know, she she understood rock and roll. She gets it. She was she was really never the jealous type. You know, she's a pretty good looking woman. You know, she stands her own. You know, I mean, obviously, when the supermodel started coming along, she was like, I think <laughs> I'm going to hang out with you that week. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this rolls perfectly into my my next topic because we're an old school radio station. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., oh. which you're going to be a part of. And mm. in addition to those shows, any memories with the Metallica guys or watching Kirk play every night on stage? Any any moments with the Metallica guys during that tour? Well, we I really remember. I mean, look, we had a lot of great times. I mean, Lars hung out with us every single day of that tour. I mean, he really was like one of us. I mean, every day that we hung out together, we partied after the show, before the show, went and did, you know, whether it's going to museums during the day, he was he really was a part of us. You know, we got along great. Um, when they first started, I, I watched a lot of the shows because they always went on first and then we didn't go on for a long time. So after a little while, I, I kind of it's not that I stopped watching them, but it would be such a long day for us. You yeah. know, so I started coming a little bit later. But obviously, you know, I mean, I saw Metallica in the very early days, you know, and then I hadn't seen them until, you know, they blew up. So I really admired their professionalism and I really loved the way that they were always a core unit. Like they really, you know, they ate, ate dinner together. You know, it's like they did things. I really, really enjoyed that part of them. And as far as sound, I mean, you know, they were they were huge. I mean, they're still huge. You know, yeah. they, their sound was so big and it was so tight and so Metallica, you know. <laughs> Do you have a uh, favorite tune of Metallica's that we could play for you on Mandatory? Oh, geez, geez. What is my, uh, I mean, I, man, it's such a standard thing, but Enter Sandman is still my favorite song. I mean, it's, you know, look, I'm not really a metal guy. You know, I, I mean, I grew up on The Clash and stuff like that. But I, I always loved that song because it, it had a little bit more uh, melody to it and stuff. And, and that riff is just the greatest riff ever. <laughs> yeah, I can't go wrong with that. Dude, beautiful. Gilby, thank you so much for the time. I'll share everything it, with you uh, next week when the interview airs and everything so we can uh, all blast that out on the socials. You got it, man. I appreciate it, man. Be thank good. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m. 
a.m. to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.